Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here, as always, with my friend Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How are things going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm doing fine. I do have an inflation update for you. Okay. Which is, I, I, it's been a while, so I finally caved, and I went to McDonald's. You got to. Every now and then. Every now and then, it's a craving. And then, you know, at the end of it, like... This happens every time I said, why do I do this to myself, right? <laughs> and I go to the McDonald's and I order from the kiosk, which of course, it, it show, which is insane. It shows you the calories of each sandwich. Why would you want to do that? It's like, it, it's, it would hurt your business. And yet I, regardless of the calories, let's not get into the calories right now, but I did get a quarter pounder with cheese, which in fact, it's a small sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. A quarter pounder with cheese. And I had to supplement it with a fish fillet, also a very f- small sandwich. So it's right. like a, surf and, a McDonald's surf and turf. Is okay. Called, right? And a medium fries, not large. I don't need large. I don't need the super size. Just a medium fry. So quarter pounder with cheese, fish fillet, medium fries. No drink. I got the drink at the office. Total, $17. Yeah. It's- 17 It's up there now. Gone. Gone are those special deal menus. There's a dollar menu with some- pretty lackluster it's a, stuff. It's a salt packet on the dollar <laughs> menu. <laughs> that's, that's right. You, you get, get the little salt. You can get a hot cake syrup and a salt packet. Oh, man, that's a party. And that's, that's, that's about it. And so I looked, I said, that's grim. And so let me just get the sandwich. I couldn't believe it came out to that. And that, that's where we are. It used to be, the, the complaint used to be, you know, McDonald's was bad or it was nefarious because it's cheap. So people right. who can't afford a better diet will resort to, well, they can't afford this. Now it's, now. Not, now it's no, not even cheap. Not even that. I don't know what happens now. This is terrible. <laughs> so uh, that was really quite something. Other than that, I am fine. And also, I want to point out that my hair is fine. How is your hair? <laughs> well, okay. So I am on the road. I'm in yes. I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which I got to say, I didn't have any particular expectations. I think I've been here one time before. Didn't have any particular expectations, but I do like going north in the August and September days. I mean, it's a, the vibe is very nice right here. It, with yes, it's, it's probably good. low humidity. Yes, it's sunny. It's just a totally lovely temperature. Are you in the heart of Milwaukee? Like you're in the city proper? Yes. Oh, that's So right. I'm that's going to exciting. a wedding, which yes. leads to what you were transitioning mm-hmm. to. Yes. Which is, uh, <laughs> okay, look. I saw, I saw this on Twitter and one of our listeners yes. demanded that we get an update fair, on this. Fair. Yes, okay. And you know what? I thought about I thought about not turning on my camera just to make it very suspicious. Here's the deal. I was coming to this wedding and I ran out of time to get a haircut. And by that I mean I did not time it so that I could get a haircut. <laughs> Hold on one second. Yeah. Were you planning on getting this haircut here back at back back at your you know at, in home in Virginia or were you planning to get the haircut in Milwaukee before no, the wedding. No, no, no. I was going to do it at home, but the oh. thing is, I'm very I'm very careless with my hair. I it just it just does what it does. It grows forever and then once every year or so, I'm like, I should probably get a trim. <laughs> so, the time had come. It was not looking its best. I had about 3 inches on the bottom that were just bugging the crap out of me. But I did not make an appointment, and I I didn't make a plan. And women have to make an appointment. Is that yes. right? You oh, can't no, just it's do, a, it's they don't do thing. walk-ins for a salon. And because yeah. I'm not good at doing things like two weeks in advance, I failed to do this. So I looked at my hair, and I thought, you know, how hard would it be to give myself a trim? Now, 
I hope you had a mirror at least. This might sound crazy at first blush, but I have to say, when I was pregnant with my last child, I was very sick and I was in bed a lot and I was watching Brad Mondo videos. Now, it's not Dirty Vic, don't get excited. <laughs> what language is that? That'll I'll, I'll, I'll be the judge of that. He's a hairdresser. Oh, okay, never mind. And so during the pandemic, especially, he created a lot of videos helping people like with tips for dyeing your own hair, tips for trimming your own hair. So he That's had right. a video that I watched back then about how to trim your own hair, had some tips, had a process, and then I tried it on my children last summer. Not on yourself, on your children, right? No, it's important <laughs> you're not to that, crazy. <laughs> that when you're trying something like this, you want to try on your children first because, first of all, my kids have beautiful hair. They have lots of it. It will grow mm -hmm. back very quickly. Their cell, their cell regeneration is very yes. fast. This is not a yes. problem for them. Yeah. They also, like their faces are untouched by the ravages of time. They are, any mistake you're going to make, who cares? It's going to be adorable. fine. They're still adorable. Also, one of my kids has the hair of seven individuals. So if you really mess hers up, not a problem. So I worked on their hair and I did a pretty nice job on their haircuts. I got, I took many inches off. We donated their hair to a hair loss great. foundation for kids. And somebody got, you know, my oldest child's 14 ponytails worth of hair. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> so, wonderful. Anyway, I did that. So I felt like, okay, could I do this on myself? So I decided to try. And it, look, my hair's not done right now, but Vic can see it in the video. It is not horrendous. There's nothing like one side is not appreciably longer than the other. It might be a little bit longer. Hold That's on. Possible. I'm, I'm looking right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> now you, you're going to shampoo that right before the wedding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Your hair is nice. Your hair is nice. You, thank you. Vic, <laughs> see, this is a trap too, because Vic can't say anything but that it looks nice. <laughs> But I assure you, I'm I'm messing, no. I'm messing with the internet by saying that I cut my own hair and not putting up any pictures. But but look, everything turned out fine. It took a little longer than I anticipated. There were several steps. And then I got brave and I decided to cut myself. Now they're not they're not bangs, Vic. Uh -huh. No, yeah. This okay. is an, an important distinction because cutting yourself bangs is the act of a desperate and emotional woman. Okay. <laughs> And that's not where I was emotionally. Okay. I was just like wanted a, a refresh. And I wanted some some face framing pieces here. And so I trimmed myself some very some pretty long pieces what, on the what, front. What, what did you use? What do you have for scissors? Like professional scissors? Or you I just did use have like hair cutting scissors? shears. Yes. I bought I, I had hair cutting okay. shears from last summer. Okay. Um I would not recommend doing this with regular scissors. That will go badly for you. Yes. So these were sharp, they were nice. I gave myself a little some some fringy fringe here. Now, when I came downstairs, I, I I did style it before I presented this to my family, and my husband, who hates bangs, hates them. He looked over. He's like, "I like it. <laughs> We're dangerously close to bangs." Yes. No, I'm looking at I'm looking at your hair now, and you're you're in this room. It has this natural light coming in. So you know, natural light is a true judge. I mean, that's the yes. that's the true arbiter. You can really tell about how something turns out in natural light. So there's no there's no sort of mirrors or whatever smoke and mirrors going on in this image. I'm looking at you right now. It looks great. It looks nice and airy. It's fluffy. Yeah, I look like and it's, I look it's, like it's, a totally yeah. presentable yeah. human. Yeah. And it's, it's and, and it's even the yeah yeah that's good that's good. <laughs> you know what? I found it very empowering. I was like, look, I I just did the thing. I did the thing. I like how it looks. Now, am I going to put this on the internet with a 
with an exaggeratedly bad picture with no makeup and a terrible facial expression from before and then That's do my hair <laughs> and my makeup. Like those plastic surgery commercials. Yes. And find the best lighting possible for the after. Yes, I am. Okay. And it's going to look like I'm really good at this, but when I'm only sort of basically competent. When I was four years old, I was over at our friends across the street, and I so hated my hair because I had a bowl haircut like most kids in the 70s. And like you do, yeah. Yes. And, and some of my classmates had nicer hair, you know, where, you know, over the ears, right? You couldn't see my ears. I looked like Davy oh, Jones from the monkeys. Oh, couldn't see the ears. You know? Wow. Just, yeah. Just, you get the earlobes. And I used to complain. I used, I remember saying to my mother at the time, I might have said this before, where I said to her, you know, I, I look like a girl. And my mother would say, no, 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 you look good. You're like Dorothy Hamill. You know, I think I've told that joke before. But it's true. She actually said it because the Dorothy, which was very popular at the time. Yeah, so, I mean, all the rage. Yeah, all the rage was Dorothy Hamill. So I, I decided to cut my own hair. We were over there with the, every, the kids. My sister was there. You? About four or five. Okay. And so all the other kids are just, you know, everyone's just, no one cares. Kids are just doing their thing. And I just picked up a pair uh, of scissors. I saw, and and what I really wanted to do was cut this, what I would do now, cut the side so you can see my ears. The only thing I knew what to, how to do is to cut my bangs. Oh. So it was long on the side and then short in the top. I, I, looked, I looked like a moron. Oh my basically. gosh, very Three Stooges. It was very Three Stooges. And there are photos of this. Plus, I was like missing a front tooth. Cause, you know, it's how I really don't take me out. It was, was a whole look. Thing. Don't so, bring him. Don't bring him outside for several. So months. it's a bit of a tradition in the Ham family to to cut our own hair. My father cuts his own hair still to this day, and he cuts like my like what does he have like a, a razor or he's, he's actually he snipping. just does it with with scissors and he does Oof. it with a mirror. He does it no. with two mirrors. No way, that's crazy. and he's fantastic at it. He does a great job. Uh, how do you get the back? Yeah, he does everything, and crazy. As a result of all of his practice on himself, he also cut my mother's hair. My mom has always had short hair. So she has like a cute little pixie cut she always has. And then I had two brothers. And then there was me. So the issue for me was that we didn't have a lot of money. So nobody was like, Mary Catherine gets to go to a salon. And my dad could do one haircut. And it was the haircut that he had and my mom had and the boys had. And, so, and you had. Okay. And so I got the same one. So until about eight or nine or so when I could protest. And then I was like, you know what? I think I might grow this out, guys. <laughs> you had a you had a cut. You were you were like It was that. adorable though. All five of us had the same haircut. It, you you could have been in that movie, just one of the guys. I, I actually, yeah, good out. <laughs> it's a callback. It's a callback. Good it's a call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really cross some yeah. cross those boundaries. <laughs> anyway, so that, that tradition lives. I have right. cut my own hair. I have cut my, my kid's hair. And I've lived to tell the tale. Yes. Good so. for you. You'll It'll be great. Your wedding is tomorrow. It'll be great. I mean, it, it would have been fine before. It just was like getting pretty yeah. ratty at the end. Yeah. So, yes. And I'm so glad we waited. Listeners might be wondering about this. We actually were, we almost recorded a little bit earlier before Mary Catherine checked in. And she went to use the hotel's business center, the famed yeah. business center, which is interesting now because I think everybody has access to phones and things like this. I don't yes. know if they still need business centers, and yet they had one there and you were using it, but it was a little, it was a little noisy. We had a, it had an, an AC vent right mm -hmm. next to where I would have recorded, so we are, yes. have improved yes. slightly. But yeah, I think business centers are, are only for dusty printers. Yes. And yes. occasionally someone will, wa someone will wander in and sort of curse at the printer because, of course, right. it doesn't work. 
look for a fax machine yeah. maybe or and you know so print out print out your boarding i used to do go to the business center to print out the boarding pass oh my gosh yes That's i was in I that do. little corner and it wasn't serving me well so, no, so now this i'm is much now better. i'm here okay my, good in my nearly as sterile abode for this well it looks very nice anyway looking okay. forward to the wedding gonna have my hair done gonna put my exaggeratedly nice looking picture on the internet at some point before and after <laughs> all right are we done chit-chatting we're done chit-chatting we're good all right i want to get to the news because we have a lot of news vic and remind mm-hmm. me to do all the silly pop culture stories that i want to do on tuesdays because you by thursday it. i have 18 things to talk about but first a quick word from our sponsor from the grocery store to the gas station Working families are getting hammered by rising prices. But instead of focusing on inflation, Congress is pushing anti-innovation legislation that will impose more financial burdens on working people and seniors. Their misguided agenda could cost public pension plans $109 billion. Teachers, firefighters, and nurses would pay the heaviest price. Congress needs to focus on inflation and leave American workers alone. First up, I just want to brief our audience on why everyone is talking about Sarah Palin. That's right. Because it's a little bit of a convoluted story. And so just so you know, we don't have to get into this in a a big way, but there was a special election in Alaska that was scheduled after the March death of longtime representative Don Young, who passed away in that month. And then it was scheduled for after that, there were four people on the ballot. Well, there were a lot of people on the ballot at one point, but... They did ranked choice voting. Yes. Which means you can pick your one and two and so on. And as a result, it took a while to count the votes. So they've been counting votes for about two weeks. And the result is that Sarah Palin, who was running for this special election seat, by the way, they'll only this person will only fill the seat until November in which there's another election. That's right. So <laughs> Sarah Palin's on the ballot along with a man named Begich, who is a Republican businessman, but comes from the most prominent Democratic family in the state and shares that name. So that's a little bit confusing. And then a Democratic woman who is the one who ended up winning by a substantial amount or fairly substantial amount. So Democrat wins this normally red seat. This, again, does not bode great for the GOP, the special election result that goes the opposite way that it, they want it to. As, as, as they would say, it doesn't help. <laughs> no, Sarah Palin blames it on the ranked choice voting. There is an element of that because mm-hmm. most people who voted voted for a Republican, but the Republican vote was split between these two folks. And one of the results also, or one of the things we can glean from this is Sarah Palin really was not what the voters wanted because a lot of people who ranked Begich as their number one GOP choice refused to put Palin as number two. So she didn't get those down ballot votes. I'm not sure that's the technical term for them, but you know what I'm saying. At any rate, they're all going to run against each other again in November. But until then, we have the storyline that Palin lost. You know, she was sort of carrying the MAGA flag. Trump had endorsed her. They're going to go for this again. And it very well may be that the Democrat comes out on top again. Yes. So there's much excitement, obviously, from... uh certain parts of the political spectrum in terms of talking about the red wave becoming a red ripple, becoming a blue ripple, becoming a blue wave. Oh my, oh my gosh, gosh, it's happening. Here, here we go. <laughs> that, one's, that one's a bridge too far. Yes. I don't think, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Ranked choice voting is very interesting. It's weird. We have that in the state of Virginia. The Republicans had it. 
pluses and the minuses. I mean, the, we just saw the minuses, obviously, because the result was that a Democrat won what normally should be a Republican seat. That's the first thing. On The second thing, however, is ranked choice. That allowed Glenn Youngkin to emerge pretty much entirely unscathed in a Republican primary. Yes. There were several people running against him, including Pete Snyder. And he did not have to go through a rigorous sort of primary battle where they have debates over where do you stand with 2020, the election, January 6th, Donald Trump, because that's what really it would have been. Are you closer to him? Are you not? And how much further to the right or pro-Trump do you have to be in order to win the primary and then tack back to the center in order to win a general election? All of that was avoided. Glenn Youngkin won, and then he was off to the races on yeah, and parents I'm, I'm and education. I'm not against ranked choice voting, like just on principle as a as a hard line mm-hmm. or anything. That was a convention where they did that, and it, uh, the downside of it is that fewer people could be involved. Yeah, fewer people were inclined to be involved because it was weird and it was a mm-hmm. little bit more complicated. And the same will be true in a place like Alaska, where there aren't mm-hmm. that many voters to begin with. And they go through several rounds. Right. Uh, at least they do that in Virginia. Also, I don't I don't love that if you're going to do this, it's going to take two weeks to tally because that inherently gives people less confidence oh, in, yeah. in results the results. It's not yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So that's, that's right. That's why you're hearing and, about her. The, the, the new representative will be Mary Poltola, an Alaskan native and a Democratic candidate, at least until they I hope have she's another an Alaska election. Na- I hope she's an Alaska native. I mean, I, I believe like native peoples. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Sorry. She's actually from Arkansas. Look, look, you know, now I got to figure this out. You okay. don't have to be born in Alaska to be to be yes. A no, I figured she's a she's she's from around there. The, yeah, the let's other, leave it at that. <laughs> the other takeaway I imagine is that people are they they're not jazzed about having a, a Sarah Palin comeback. Is that what the message here is? I mean, look, I think that's part of it. I think that and is I, she back? Does this mean that she's back on? Uh, she's back running again? Come no, November, I think that you, I think that the lesson might be that very famous sort of weirdos. <laughs> On the yeah. ticket are a double-edged sword. Like you could get some more excitement, but yeah. also you've got this this downside. Yeah. Push back, and then the result is somebody's first choice might be a Republican, but the second choice is not. So, and suddenly, there you go. At any rate, just okay. so you have the Palin update, and That's right. will, because of this crazy election process, we'll be able to bring you another one in like two months. So, two months and several weeks of tallying. Okay. Oh my goodness! Yes, she is of the of the indigenous tribes of ah, Alaska. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, Thank just you. confirming that. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about how Joe Biden has come across a, and his, and his press secretary have come across a new pitch for 2022. How are you going to, how are you going to ter- turn this red wave blue? And his thought is that he's going to accuse everyone on the other side of fomenting civil war and then tell them that's not going to go well for them. Let's see why. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use. So his, his thought is that all these brave right-wingers who are going to take on the government because the Second Amendment is so important to them, that that's not going to work out because he has fighter jets. And I have always thought it was a strange argument 
to tell half the country that indeed, hypothetically, you would murder them with F-15s. Yes, it's, it's going to take more than guns. It's going to take a full weapons bay of Sparrow and Sidewinder missiles. It's, you know, really quite so, c- cluster bombs, you name it. It's, the thing is, it was a bizarre speech on many levels. And I know we rarely do this. I know we rarely do this on this podcast. But if it, what about Trump? If it were Trump, I know. what would they be saying and fact checking about all these various things? This is really Biden at his best because he's sort of improvising and winging it like Jim Eagle, Jim Crow, Jim Eagle. And he's just like throwing <laughs> these things out there. And, and, and the audience is kind of bewildered because oh, yeah, he has to they say were things. completely quiet. Yeah. Did you hear he's that? He's like, no, I'm think about this, folks. And then he talks about using the F-15s against us or that's what it takes i mean okay the first my first thought is i mean i'm not going to argue about the f-15 it's a great fighter plane (laughs) it is it would definitely defeat me when i was it would definitely defeat me when i was a kid and i wanted to be an aerospace engineer before i realized that i sucked at math i memorized all the stats on the f-15 and it is a fan it flies 1650 miles an hour you know and it has you know 23, 24,000 pounds of thrust from two Pratt and Whitney engines. It's amazing. And it can go 90 degree angle. And it's old, much like our president. It's old. It's outdated. You know, it came out in 1974, but it is, it's, it's just bizarre. And it's, it's again, as you said, it's, it's part of this larger new strategy by him and by Karine Jean-Pierre to talk about the semi-fascism, not just of Donald Trump, or Donald Trump's followers, but right. uh, Republicans in general, anybody who voted for him. Well, the, and few, I, the handful of people who voted for him, threats to democracy. Right. And, well, and, I, and I think, and I want to get to Karine Jean-Pierre, and I'll play her, her yeah. quote in a second here, but you have the analog of what if Trump sort of, in this latest kerfuffle over Lindsey Graham, saying probably inadvisably, but not the end of the world, saying, mm-hmm. you know, in this FBI raid, which we're going to get to in a bit, in this FBI raid and a possible indictment of Trump, there might be violence from Trump supporters. Obviously, he he was not endorsing that. He was saying it sort of as, as a statement of probability, and it became a very big deal. Now, I don't think it's the right thing to say because you could be mistaken for encouraging it. Yeah. Right. However, then the president goes on to say, like, if you guys get out of line, I got these F-15s, which does not... Does not to me sound like the side that's not itching for civil war. I'm just, you got, you can, they got the, the literal big guns uh, yes. out. He also said in that speech, by the way, and I think it's yet to be fact checked by the good people at Twitter or put any banners on it, that the, Ever. that the AR 15s bullets travel at five times the speed yeah. of a regular gun. Right. Anyway, that's not true, guys. Well, there were a number of things like that and not being able to buy a cannon or this or that. You know, I mean, he also talked, of course, about defunding the police. And he's just throwing it out there. He's against it, despite his vice president supporting that Minneapolis bail fund (laughs) that released murderers, you know, people who came out and murdered. It's interesting because... You know, everybody seems to be in lockstep by just saying, oh, he's he's for supporting the police and that's great. And and the Democrats are also all for it. You know, a handful of extreme people just, you know, might have said something to the effect of. But by and large, you know, Biden has been very consistent on being pro-police. He himself, okay, sure, fine, maybe, but the Democratic Party, I'm not wholly convinced that they're all locked up on this. But, no. you know, everybody's just sort of playing along. Just like when they when they say that, for example, oh, this idea of defund the police is a, uh, it's a Republican invention, much like critical race theory is a Republican sure. invention. 
and except for when it's not. Right. You know. It, it changes over time. So Karine Jean-Pierre is taking it a bit further. Here's here's her talking at the, the press briefing this week. The president thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy. Uh, the president has been clear, as he can be, on that particular uh, piece when we talk about a democracy, when we talk about our freedoms. Uh, the way that he sees is the MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican Party. Uh, the, that extreme, this is an extreme threat to our democracy, to our freedom, uh, to our rights. Uh, they just don't respect the rule of law. So, oh, look, I, I <laughs> what, what is that, 70 million people? <laughs> it's 74 million people, 74. right? <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. look, I try to be fair about people's public statements. That sounds very much like the president of the free world mm-hmm. thinks that 74 million Americans, by virtue of their vote in a free election, mm-hmm are an extreme threat to democracy. And I, I'm i not sure how else to read it. Maybe they're saying that like there's a segment of those voters that's more extreme, and that's the problem? I feel like we're light years away from Tony Snow <laughs> as a White House press secretary. By the way, I did, did, did you enjoy the, the filler words there where she says, when we talk about freedom, when we talk about... It's like, yeah, sure, her brain is just like, let me put some yeah, stuff in here. Yeah, just trying to... You know, stretch this out yep. and uh, emphasize up some, these yeah, words. As she's trying to figure out what else to say and not say. By the way, when, uh, you talk, when they talk about people who want to take away freedoms, mm-hmm. again, happy to debate with you about mm-hmm. which freedoms you're discussing. However, the Democratic Party quite noticeably was the party of not letting you go to a restaurant for two years. Yeah. So I just, yeah. I just want to. These sort of run-of-the-mill, regular people freedoms were very much at issue for several years. <laughs> yeah. gone and, and also gone are the days of the, you know, Joe Biden's here to bring things back to normal and unite everybody and this sort of uniting rhetoric. Somebody must have told him, I think it's time to take the gloves off, Joe, because, you know, and he mentions this in his speech from the other day about, oh, people talk about, you know, Joe Biden, you know, is too nice, you know, too nice working with Republicans. And, and, and we would have, we would argue, but we'd have lunch. We would have, you know, dinner to get, get a drink together. No joke, folks, no jokes. We'd have, a, you know, we'd have a drink together. And yeah, gone are the days when he would tell people that Mitt Romney is going to put y'all in chains. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, he was so nice back then. <laughs> it was lovely. Or, or, or how he conducted himself with Clarence Thomas. Ugh. You know, during a Supreme Court confirmation hearings. God, I mean, are those nice days. The, the no tru- more Mr. Nice Guy. The truly most amazing part of Biden's career was the makeover he got during the Obama years as friendly Uncle Joe. Because yes. he truly had always been kind of like a real pain mm-hmm. in the ass and mm-hmm. a blowhard and yeah. incorrect about most things, loudly incorrect about most things. Yeah. And there's this sort of myth that he and this is what I hate about Washington, by virtue of having been in Washington for a long time, he sort of checked the boxes for being yeah. able to be this important person. But it doesn't make no. you an, it doesn't make you smart. It doesn't make you good at no. it. So and he like then he became like sort of goofy Joe, which was a, a preferable public yeah. persona. And now we have I don't know what Joe, but that's right. I'll be very interested to see when this book comes out. A little bit was leaked recently from Gabriel De Benedetti's upcoming book. I think it's called The Long Alliance. It's between it's a story of Joe Biden and Barack Obama. And that book says, you know, that relationship was not all friendly and cozy, but in fact yeah. it's really 
awkward and Obama sort of loathed at times and alternating between loathing and resenting and, and, and just basically hating Joe Biden, Joe Biden for doing things like stepping on his, you know, wanting to make an announcement about gay marriage, for example, things of that nature. And well, the media narrative at that time, of course, was you know, they're just two good buddies. Oh my gosh, they're just like a, it's like a cop buddy film. Yeah, nothing um, to see here. Nothing buddy, to see Buddy here. cop, excuse me. I know yeah. how to speak yeah. in okay. colloquialisms. I always used to have a picture in my mind of Obama as the kid who's laying down one of those dominoes effect things all around yes. the room in a very and elaborate then, fashion. And then Joe just like bursts into the room and knocks right. it over. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much, That's yeah. their relationship to yeah. me. Anyway, speaking of presidents... Another, yeah. Oh, yes. Another former president under the microscope yet again. That would be Donald Trump due to the raid and search warrant executed at Mar-a-Lago for documents of some kind, possibly some classified, others not classified, all that, all that good stuff. Okay, so we want to do an update. I've talked to you guys about this before that because this is like the eighth time we've done this, I have some trouble engaging fully with this story and it's not because i like donald trump it's just here we are again with a possible obstruction of justice yeah. charge let me run through a little bit of what uh, andrew, andrew mccarthy wrote about this as he is generally trustworthy on these issues in sort of fairly adjudicating what he sees here he runs through just a couple of paragraphs here about what exactly is happening and it, it'll give you like right. the overview <laughs> so they put out this new letter this week. So he's, he's running over that and all that came before. Moreover, we already knew that after Wall's letter, there followed A, an initial grand jury subpoena for classified documents served on May 11th. B, a meeting at Mar-a-Lago on June 3rd, which contrary to Trump's public depiction of an amicable no negotiation session between his lawyers and DOJ officials, into which Trump himself popped in, was actually compliance, or as it turned out, non-compliance, with a grand jury subpoena in an active criminal investigation, and C, a second grand jury subpoena served on June 22nd for Mar-a-Lago surveillance video. Basically, all of this, all these documents have been at issue for 18 months. The federal government and law enforcement feels like it's at its last, you know, at the end of its rope, and that yeah. this, was the, this was the step that it took. That's right. And we also have from new information, the likelihood, according to McCarthy, that it's pretty easy to prove that Trump knew there was more there at this June meeting and did not give it up and may have concealed it and may have worked to destroy it, right? We don't, we don't know those things for sure yet, but we know right. that in these meetings, he likely misrepresented some of that or through his lawyers misrepresented some of that, which then becomes lying to the FBI and possible obstruction of justice again the eighth time we've been at possible obstruction of justice. But Andrew McCarthy says this one wouldn't be that hard to prove. So you're saying that he is going to get charged with obstruction of justice? Well, this, this is you what, Andrew, this is what Andrew, Andrew McCarthy thinks. Andrew thinks that there, there might oh, be an indictment coming. Now, I was he, just telling people who were just asking me about that. I said, there's no way. Well, he, guys, he, also, oh, no, well, he, also, he also argues, and this is, he also argues, and this is my concern. Cause I thought it was just mishandling documents. My goodness. Well, right. again, yeah, define mishandling. He also argues people are fair to ask, like, why wasn't Hillary Clinton indicted on such well, a thing? Well, that's right. Given that she had a similar set of yeah. circumstances, the classified documents in her home opened, a, opened to hacking on a server. A private uh, server. Subsequently hidden and 
many yeah. of them destroyed. And, right. And so you're, it's fair to ask that, he says, but also there's a possibility this could, this could come to fruition. On, on the other hand, as part of this new filing this week, they put, yeah. <laughs> they put out this picture of all the, yes. of all the classified documents and how they were marked. And it was very clearly the FBI had set up these documents so that you could see what kind of stuff they had picked right. up, what this looked like. Some call this evidence porn. It happens in drug busts when they lay out each pill oh, yeah, that they picked great. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, now, now there's this dumb online fight because MAGA devotees are like, they staged it. None of this is real. And a lot of people are like, no, that's just what they do with evidence photos sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, of course, was leaked. Yes. Which is like the how these investigations go down. And also just like... I just think it looks kind of dumb, but that's just my take. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting because I think it was the way that it was phrased, which was that here's a photo of classified and super classified or top secret documents, some of them that were taken from closet X or from cabinet Y or whatever it was. But by saying that, does that mean that they took them out of that closet or cabinet and then laid them out on the rug? Or did the FBI stumble into the office and there they were laying on the floor? And that's the big argument. And I know we were, you sent me some of the tweets from Byron York over at the examiner, who's trying to explain that, you know, it's made to look like they were laid out there, but they were laid there by the FBI. So everybody's in the state about this. It's, uh, <laughs> but it struck me as they took it out to lay it out for yes. presentation. Well, and I think, um, and I think one but of other the- people will look at it and say, oh my gosh, Donald Trump had the, these folders on the floor. I, people who, who, who puts the folders on the floor, it's, that's, that's chaos, and people do. As a quick side note, when David Brooks was writing Bobo's in Paradise, it was all on the floor. The oh, whole really? thing was on the floor. Yeah, notes, index cards. You just lay the index cards on the floor. Probably doesn't happen anymore. But nevertheless, I, some people I, some I people did, operate that, that way. Yeah, I do that if I'm working on like a, a big project. So maybe Trump was just really invested it's, it's, in these it's documents. It's a big project. I, I, I happen to ascribe to the, the Sonny Bunch theory, which is Trump wanted to keep these classified and super top secret documents, some of which he decided to declassify himself as the president of the United States, but he just wanted to have them. He's not, well, he's not thinking of using them. He's not thinking of giving them away. He just, they're mine. Well, you know, what, he just wanted what, to keep them. What McCarthy argues is that if you look at the details of these meetings they had had with National Archives and FBI earlier, there was no attempt to argue that any of this had been declassified, mm-hmm. that, that this is a new argument that they're yes. making. Yes, yes. Um, what about the nuclear secrets? Remember that story that was right. before? Which, well, and that, where, and that Trump himself had not attempted to make that argument before right, right. the actual raid happened. But at any rate, this, I don't know, this is where we are at the you, moment. You mentioned, you, mentioned, you mentioned Hillary Clinton, and that is true about her server, and she got a slap on the wrist from James Comey. I mean, obviously, the slap happened that pretty much people, you could, people can argue that was the end of her, that doomed her election because it was very late in the election cycle. And then we talk about Sandy Berger. And I've mentioned this on a few occasions right. as well, ripping pages out of the archives that had to do with 9-11 and, and whether or not the Clinton administration had prior knowledge of what they were working on and stuffing that them does in his pants. like a pretty big deal. Kind of a big deal. That was a misdemeanor. So the idea that they were going to go in here and everyone's waiting for, you know, this is the smoke, there's a smoking gun. This is it. When in fact, I, I do think this is the culmination of just months of frustration. Well, again, right? I, I am right. very happy to imagine that you could make the case that Trump is either willfully hiding these things or mm-hmm. so sloppy with these documents as to be problematically negligent, 
right? Yeah. And the things, their thought when they were trying to collect this stuff is that like, we think it's other places other than the storage room. We think right. you're not coughing this up. And therefore, at the end of 18 months, the government felt like it had exhausted other options and then used the grand jury subpoena. <laughs> so it wasn't just that they were having these nice conversations and that didn't move it forward, that they heightened it. Right. There was a likelihood, according to McCarthy, that Trump was continuing to direct the movement, concealment, and perhaps destruction of classified documents, and they wanted to stop that. There was a vital need for U.S. intelligence agencies to do this. But again, I go back to actual, actual threat to democracy is people believing that you have a different set of rules for two different parties when something like this happens. Yeah. And I mean, it's and it's a very big deal because you're talking about a potential. It's a past political rival, an opponent yeah. that you are uh, and possibly that, future and possibly future that you're sticking the Justice Department on, even though they claim to have no knowledge that this was going to happen. And even now that, you know, the Trump, the Trump team is demanding that there's a special master to be appointed by the judge in order to. And this is happening as we speak in the middle of this recording. Yeah, they're still deliberating this. And the Justice Department is trying to promise them that, you know, there's an independent unit within the Justice Department that can separate, you know, conflicts of interest and lawyer-client privilege documents from, and they're not connected to the actual investigators. So that's all cool. We don't need a special master. I don't know if that's a good idea either. So, well, but by, meanwhile, over at yeah. the FBI, which again, in these situations, it does crack me up how every Democrat is like, "How dare you besmirch these infallible public servants?" I'm like, right. guys, it, let's calm down. It's federal law enforcement, all right? There are many honorable people involved, yeah. but let's. Let's calm down. And we have seen repeated evidence that there are politically motivated folks at, oh, at HQ totally. that work yep. on Crossfire Hurricane that yep. create a conclusion they want to come to and then fit in facts to get yep. there and leak all the way. So we've, yep. seen, we've seen bad uses. And then just this week, a, a an ASAC, which is assistant, well, shoot, what is Special agent in charge? Yeah, especially in charge. I know these things. Yeah, I know <laughs> he was He resigned this week. Although pretty clear, pretty clearly like under duress. Yes, Agent um, Tebow. Yes, hilariously, his name is Tim Tebow. Spelled, <laughs> I guess you could say it's the French person. It's Tibbet. Tibbet. Yeah. At any yeah. rate, top level FBI agent who was involved in not investigating very much the Hunter Biden laptop mm -hmm. story, and in fact colluded with Democrats to send out the idea that this was Russian disinformation. So. Again, the idea that I'm supposed to take at face value everything right. that is leaked or everything that is told me, told to me, even if it's about Trump, who I think can do bad things, nah, it's not happening. It's not good. Do you think the Democrats want, I'm not talking about the investigators here, but do you think the Democrats want Donald Trump to be busted and then he can't run? Or do you think they want this to be stretched out? to 2024 well, that would, so that he can continue the news without him in the news they've got this is what they they feed on this in the news right i, I know mean, this is for, for ratings and well, when he's and not in the rate and he's not in the news then you know it's bad it's bad for republicans when he's in the news and they want to have him in the news yeah. by the way that that agent i didn't finish my sentence was oh, let let go likely because of his political motivations in making those decisions including with the, these people where it was improper so so here's so that leads to the question if you think that DOJ is just interested in getting to the bottom of this business, then it doesn't matter whether Democrats want him off the stage or on mm -hmm. the stage, right? But I'm not sure that the motives are so pure. Yeah. And I think the decision-making might come down to whether he's more valuable as a criminally liable dude yeah. or a very compromised candidate. 
It's so cynical of us on this show. I know, but it, we, we have we spent reason. too much time. Look, we have reason to be cynical. It doesn't mean that there are not <laughs> other things that go on in federal law, law enforcement that are perfectly legit. No. But the Trump-related stuff has often had a bent. It's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. So. And by the way, he's to blame for like, you know, at least a quarter to a third of it as well. <laughs> sure. I mean, <laughs> mishandling. Yeah. Uh, does not I mean, I mean just in that. general, like his travails in general. So anyway, now now we've done Mar-a-Lago. I should put a timer on like how often we have to discuss this new possible well, that was, yeah, that, that was lengthy. Yeah. <laughs> like like when the time starts now, days since discussing the Mar-a-Lago raid. And then we got to bring it up again. Right. right. Yeah. John Fetterman who is the Democratic candidate for Senate in Pennsylvania. You'll remember he had a stroke a while ago and has not been out in public a ton since then. Obviously wish him the best and a full recovery. However, because he was not super forthright about his mm-hmm. treatment and what that looked like and how he was recovering and mm-hmm. whether he was recovering, it has been an issue in the campaign. Mm-hmm. He's running against Mehmet Oz, who's sort of an oddball, but again, this famous, famous... Trump-backed candidate, and now Fetterman basically says, like, I, he's not physically capable of debating. He can't. He can't be in That's a situation right. where there's a lot of noise, or th- so that he can't because he can't differentiate. Now, the story, of course, is Republicans n- pounce. That's right. On the fact that a Senate candidate is not physically capable of debating. Now, there are situations where you take a pass on debating because. It doesn't make sense to expose yourself to mm-hmm. risk when you've got a race one or something, right? That's not the case here. This is a fairly close-ish race in a battleground state. He's taking a pass explicitly because of his condition. Yes. That is something that voters are going to have to contend with, and Republicans are not pouncing to point it out. You know, it's surprising how many times I still see Republicans pounce, Republicans seize from copy editors who come up with these headlines. And I have to think at this point, they know that it drives us crazy and they're just trolling us I think, because I mean, it, drives, it drives me crazy. I was like, are they, are they that, are they that, are they that, you know, ridiculous? But I, I guess they are. It's an interesting strategy to decide to just embrace the disability and own it rather than try to hide it, right? It's not like FDR or Jack Kennedy with, you know, their various back and, and, and issues, and or certainly in FDR's case, because of, you know, he couldn't walk. But in, in JFK's case, he had all sorts of issues as well, and they really try to hide that and just, and, and flip the script so that they can, and they'll, they'll wait for Oz to say something mean, and they can say, forget about the fact that I might not be able to fulfill my duty in, in, in office as a U.S. Senator, this guy's making fun of the disabled. Well, and focus so, on that. So vote for me. Well, and so this is like you know candidate quality situation, right? Which, yeah, yes, because if you're going to talk about this, it's sensitive to talk about. Yeah, you want to try to do it the right way, or maybe you don't, because like Trump became president, and talking about yeah. things the right way doesn't mm-hmm. really get you anywhere. But <laughs> I would say that this, but this is a real issue for voters. Like the New York Times couches it with, when Fetterman declined to debate, Oz made his stroke an issue. It's already an issue. He it should make, be an issue. didn't make it an issue. And they note very deep down in the story that in August 23rd's appearance in Pittsburgh, his speech was halting and he sometimes searched perceptibly for the right words. Then, <laughs> next sentence, conservative news outlets and commentators seized on clips from the appearance to portray Mr. Fetterman as unfit. 
that's not seizing. That's just a video clip of a candidate speaking in public. And the thing is, I was thinking, despite all that, Fetterman, of course, despite his condition, he's still leading in the polls. But the latest poll I saw has him up about five points. So it's certainly better for Dr. Oz than it was, you know, a few weeks ago. But I don't know. I mean, maybe Pennsylvanians would still prefer to take their chances with Fetterman than they would with Oz, which would then that would say more about the Oz campaign than Fetterman's campaign. But I'll tell you this, Mary Catherine, what I was reminded of was what happened with former Senator Tim Johnson in South Dakota. Do you remember? He suffered this brain hemorrhage Mm -hmm. and he was out of it and everybody was worried, but they didn't want to vacate the seat, right? Because had had he vacated the seat, and it, the Senate would have gone to the Republicans because right. it was a, a one-seat differential at the time. And so they, they he stayed on, and they insisted he's fine. He just needs to go through rehab, and everything's great. And then the media, there was all these stories about the long road forward, but everyone's supporting him, and everything's going to be okay. Only, like, you know, years later, people realize exactly how bad it was. Right. You know, but people didn't realize it at the time. But, you know, again, it, it, it was a consequential seat. And so they just kept them yeah, there. And it's crazy. I don't wish to be insensitive, but no. I wish to speak of things as they are in real life. Yeah. And this is one of the things That's that right. bothers me about Biden is with Trump, it was like 25th Amendment talk every five minutes because he's clearly losing his mind. He's out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With Biden, it's like, I remember during the elections, like, you sort of gingerly note that the man has lost a step. That's like basically yeah. as far yeah, as Yeah, that's the, the euphemism, um, the euphemism. But there's much more there, right? He's he's having trouble. He's having real trouble yeah. speaking in public, doing many of the things that you expect a president to do. It's exhausting. I want to talk about this in real terms and in, in ways that we're cognizant of what's actually happening and not just sort of glossing it over because the health of the candidate actually is important. They're all glossing over it. Well, except for us here, right, getting hammered. So what I did want to talk about was Gorbachev, right? So, so Mikhail Gorbachev, the former general secretary, the last general secretary of the Soviet Union, who died this week, age 91. So he was young enough, old enough, I should say, to have remembered as a child the awful famines in the 1930s and what his family went through and suffered and that apparently his mother kept an icon hidden behind a clock or something to that effect. So uh, these things mattered to him. And I think that was important when he assumed a power. I wouldn't say, some people are saying, oh, you know, the man who brought it into the Cold War, yay, you know, but in fact, uh, or single, I, I wouldn't say single-handedly. No. Right? There was somebody on the yes. other side, namely Ronald Reagan and the Western powers. and uh, Forcing a but, hand in, yeah. yes. he for Yes, he forced his hand because they, the Soviet Union could not compete with the United States, a central command economy could not compete with the United States at that time. And certainly when Star Wars, as crazy as the strategic defense initiative sounded, they thought, that's it. We can't compete with this. But what he should be credited with, it's not just what he did, meaning Glasnost and Perestroika, right? Which was very important because he presided over, there was going to be an awful slow, I think, death of the Soviet Union that he was presiding. He could stretch it out for a little bit, but was instrumental. he was instrumental in what he did not do because he could. If he, this could have easily ended in a horrible way. And I remember at the time, I was in high school at the time, and I followed this because I was a big nerd and I would read Time and Newsweek every week. And this was, I thought this, I mean, it was really, really exciting. Eric Honecker, who was running East Germany at that time, 
he wanted Gorbachev to send in the troops to crack down on the right. protests, and Gorbachev did not. And they were hoping, I mean, because it could have been like Prague 68 yep. or Hungary 56, and it wasn't. And that was a very big deal. And so he deserves much credit for that. And also, it always warmed my heart that he sort of ended, so the, the ending, the ending of that whole thing was him appearing at a Pizza Hut commercial I know. in Russia. It was so... So touching. The shame, of course, I'm sure they hated that. But the shame of it if is- I can change, Wall you can change. Yeah, no, no, that's Rocky IV. And he stands up and goes, actually, I'm not sure if that was him. So anyway- in Close, the, really close though. Close, close enough, close enough. The Wall Street Journal pointed out that you know the important thing with Gorbachev and sort of a sad thing about it was that he had given Russians this opportunity to, to break out of this you know, authoritarian cycle and 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 the the opportunity had been lost, you know, and it's kind of sad. I mean, there were brief moments in Russia's history, right? right? There was the Kerensky government after 1917, and then there was Gorbachev in the 90s going into Yeltsin that time, and it was this moment, and 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 then and then it was lost, and it's very sad. And I always thought in the end it would have it would have sad. And Gorbachev must have been very saddened to see what happened, both to his country and Pizza Hut, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, ah, that's that, that puts a bow that wraps, on that. that yeah. Okay. That. And now, now have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram, and look forward to Tuesday because my outrage over learning loss and the audacity of teachers unions and this administration could not be contained in this episode. So we must put it off until Tuesday. So read the New York times piece on the learning loss problems. And we will circle back as the administration likes to say to this devastating news. And I can really get a rant in cause we do not have time for it today. Have a great holiday weekend. And then we'll get you riled up when we come back. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been a nebulous media podcast. 